0: If you're from there, or have roots there, or know anybody who's there, probably the most noteworthy song that's ever been written about Toledo, maybe the only song that's ever been written about Toledo, is a song that's called Saturday Night in Toledo, Ohio is Like Being Nowhere at All. (laughs) Sorry? I'm just reading, I'm just reading. Part of the lyrics of that song say, You know how I ask of Toledo, Ohio? Well, I spent a week there one day. And then it has this profound line. They've got entertainment to dazzle your eyes. Go visit the bakery and watch the buns rise. (laughs) And that's pretty much the gist. If you want to describe something that's not a fun activity, something where nothing's happening, use phrases like you watch the grass die or grow or you watch the buns rise. Well, you know what? Jesus told a story about hardly anything happening in Matthew 13 because he uses that and tells a story about it. And in this series, we're going to take a look at stories that Jesus told. And I want to invite you, if you've got a Bible with you or access to one, take a look at Matthew chapter 13, starting with verse 31. Because here's what Jesus did, and this is what we're seeing in this. Jesus w- wants more than anything else, he wants people to understand those who are ready to understand, those who have ears to hear, he says. He wants people who are ready to understand who exactly God is, how exactly God works, what exactly God wants to do in a person's life for somebody who says, yeah, I'm interested in that. And so in order to take profound truth that may be hard to understand about how big God is and what he does and how he works, he took, he said, okay, let me tell you a story. And he took stuff that's right in front of people going on in their everyday lives and said, it's kind of like this. So today we see the story in Matthew 13, and there's actually two stories tied together in this little section. One about a little seed, mustard seed, another one about a loaf of bread. Verse 31, he told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took, planted it in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants. It becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. Got it? Okay. Plants a small seed, grows into a big thing. Birds fly in. Okay. Then he says this, verse 33. He told them still another parable. Kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. End of story. Wow, really? It says Jesus spoke all these things to the people in parables. He didn't say anything to them what there was not in, in a parable. He's done, that's it. What in the world is that about? Well, what... What lesson are we supposed to learn about life or God that has anything to do with us from that? We're going to see some stuff about this that may just catch us by surprise. And first of all, let's understand something. Do you see where it says, he kept, keeps saying the same phrase over, the kingdom of heaven is like this. All through the parables, he uses that phrase. I'm going to explain what the kingdom of heaven is like to you. Now, when he uses that phrase, the kingdom of heaven, he is not talking about the third heaven, the place where people go when they die, the where the throne of God is. He's not talking about, hey, let me tell you when you go to heaven what it's gonna be like. That's not at all what he's talking about. In fact, when Jesus came and he sent his disciples out, he said, I want you to go out and and make a statement to people. They need to get their lives together. They need to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what that means is the king who wants to establish his rightful rule and, and reign in people's real lives has come to you. He's here to establish his kingdom here, in your heart, in your life. So what he's talking about is not some ethereal place. He's saying, this is what it's like for the, the, the reign and the rightful rule, the influence of the rightful king in the right, his rightful position. When God gets involved in your life, when he's in charge of your life, when you're in a restored relationship with him, okay, here's what it's going to be like. Here's what he's going to do. That's what he's talking about. So the kingdom of heaven is still at hand. He's inviting us who listen today to say what does it look like for the, if, the, if he's the true king not just of heaven but of every realm and he's at hand in my life. He says this is what it's going to look like. Here's what I'm going to do if I get involved. He's going to introduce a, a, a rectified position with him and once that's established, let's put it this way. Once you say to Jesus Christ, okay, I want to know you. I want to follow you. I don't want to just acknowledge there's a God. I want, I want a relationship with you. I want you to be the king in my life. Here's what that's going to be like. And so he uses these two um, little word pictures, yeast and mustard seed. Now, there's something that's true about both these. Both are very small variables that when they're introduced into a receptor, soil or the loaf, they eventually enact a significant effect on it. So the whole premise is, let God fully in your life. That's what you're going to hear Jesus say to you all the time. Let him fully in your life. Let him be the king in your life. And when he's fully in your life, he's going to have an effect. He's going to have an effect. I'm going to focus more on the yeast one, all right? Because there's something about, there's a property about yeast. Now, yeast is often used. Um, actually in Scripture, but most times it's used in a negative effect. It's like yeast is used negatively. Here's, here's an example in 1 Corinthians 5. talks about boasting. Your boasting's not good. Don't you know a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? One bad apple boils, spoils a whole bunch, that kind of phrase. It's repeated, that kind of thing. It's similar to a couple other things where it says a little bit of bad stuff can really mess up a whole environment. The Bible uses a phrase about little foxes in, in Song, of, uh, Song of Psalms. It, it says, catch for us the little foxes. The little, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. They go in and they do a little damage. In Ecclesiastes 10, it talks about little dead flies. Dead flies give perfume a bad smell. You ever heard the phrase "oil uh, flies in the ointment? It comes from the Bible. It's in Ecclesiastes 10. So a little thing can do a lot of damage. In this particular case, though, Jesus is going to take that same analogy. He says, yeah, but when God gets involved in your life, even in just, it looks like it's just starting it in a small way, he's going to have an effect on you. Now, I I, I personally chafered this because I took an IQ test once, and I was told that I got marked down. I didn't get full points because one of the tests on the IQ test, one of the questions was how does bread, explain how bread rises, all right? And I got one point for saying it's a chemical reaction. I thought that was pretty profound. And they said, yeah, but that wasn't good enough. And so here, I I brought some bread today. Okay, this is a loaf of bread. So here's, what, here's, here's how you get more points on the IQ test. See, that's a loaf of bread. Got it? So here's what they say about it. That yeast is actually a living fungus. Okay? You know that, right, from science class. Tell me if I'm wrong. Correct me, because I want to get my IQ te- scores up. It just fell behind, below 200 the last time, and I hate that. Yeast is a fungus, and when it comes in contact with the dough of the bread, it, it metabolizes the sugars in the bread. It eats, yeast eats sugar. When it eats sugar, then it kind of passes gas. Okay? And, and, the, and the gas takes a form of carbon dioxide and alcohol that gets released. Now, there's a, a set of fibers that form in the dough that come together, and, and they, they form what they call gluten, for that phrase. And gluten kind of forms these strands, kind of like bubble gum when it expands, so it holds together. As the gases are emitted, then the, the gluten f- traps them, catches it, and has it pushes its way out so that something's going to happen. So you pay attention, okay? Because it's happening right now. Ah, but that's part of the picture. So when that happens, the bottom line is this. God gets involved in a life, the ruler, the king. He gets permitted to come in and do something in a life. And when he does that, the way he he works in a life that's submitted to him, God's kingdom advances. And, And Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is having an effect in anything it comes in contact with, kind of like yeast. So, if you invite him into your life in any way, you can expect what you're about to hear that happens, he says. And he says, very simply, a woman takes it and mixes it into a large amount of flour until it works all through the dough. So here's some things. We're gonna, I'm going to point out some properties about what effect this is happening when the kingdom of God comes in contact with a life that gets submitted to him. One of the things, one of the properties of it, like yeast is the kingdom, God's effect, like yeast, this is what's true of it. It's catalytic. It causes or accelerates a reaction. It causes change. It's small, but it's potent. It it can be a a small amount of it. It looks very, very unassuming when it's presented. You know that in the Old Testament, in in Isaiah fifty. Uh, 3 when jesus when the messiah is being foretold to come it actually describes something about his physical appearance and basically it says when he comes he's not going to be so much to look at that's what it says that could be very impressive in his outward appearance pretty unassuming but wait till you see what he does because when he's involved when he comes in contact it does something and it's think about this you could say well how would you react when they say, "Well, you can eat this; it's got some cyanide in it." Well, it's just a little bit of cyanide. No problem with that, right? Just here, here, light, light this. Stand back. It's just a little bit of C four. It would cause a reaction when you do that. When you know, here's a little bit of plutonium. You know, so there's arguments right now in our world. Well, we want to give Iran a little bit, just a little bit of nuclear capabilities. Won't do any problem, right? What could possibly go wrong? When you think something that's that potent, just a little bit does something. And when you do it, when you let Jesus Christ the King in, he'll have an effect on you. He'll initiate some stuff. He's going to enact some things to go on in your life. He's going to force the issue. He's going to make his presence known eventually. Sometimes sometimes he's going to do it in an annoying way. You get a pebble in your f- shoe, and you can't stop and take it out, and every step you take, it reminds you it's there. Sometimes he's going to just be there in an annoying way, and sometimes he's going sh- to have an effect that's just radically effect, but a very small amount is all it takes. There's a guy called uh, the L.A. Beast. He's a professional eater. He's won some awards, and he's also a high-risk stunt guy, and he does some stuff on YouTube. And so he took on a challenge that when he heard about the world's hottest pepper, which is uh, against book world record's Named it in, in August of 2013, named the Carolina Reaper. It's a mix between the ghost chili pepper and the red habanero pepper. If you like hot peppers and you know this kind of thing, it, it registers, set the record at 2.2 million units on the Scoville heat unit index. It's hot. And so he said, he's a kind of a tough guy, and he said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conquer this thing. And so the LA Beast went out to did it. Here he is at zero on the clock, showing you the pepper. He eats the pepper for about 45 seconds. He says, ah, see, nothing's, about 45 seconds in, this is the look on his face. At a minute 27, the look turns to that. At about two minutes, his face is, is like that. At about the three and a half minute mark, he has been trying to chug some milk, trying to get it to, and about three and a half minutes, that's the state <laughs> of the LA beast if you notice on the wall behind him there's a he kind of like he kind of lost his mind a little bit and there's a fire extinguisher behind him at about 4 minutes he did this there's a catalytic effect that eventually can't be denied When Jesus came to earth, the way he lived, he was very unassuming, but the whole world eventually took notice of him. The whole world had to make choices. The whole world decided to, the world around him decided to put him to death. He was that catalytic. When he presents himself as a king to somebody's life, he's not there to just salute in parades or come and visit on Christmas and Easter. He comes in to say, oh, I got some stuff I want to do. And just a small amount of it, when it comes in contact with a submitted heart, he'll start to prompt, he'll start to move. And it'll grow. It'll have an effect. Can I? He'll, he'll do. Here's what he'll do. He's going to do. And he, you, you, a whole lot of us in the room, have already seen this. He's done some stuff to get your attention in areas that you didn't even invite him to. Talk more about that in a minute. He, he is, he'll, he's, he's going to shape you, he's going to dislodge your old self and turn you into a new self that begins to look more like he originally intended you to look. He's going to do stuff to increase your dependence on him, not make you stronger without him. He's going to keep at it. There are a couple dangerous prayers that a whole lot of us pray probably without thinking. But it's a dangerous prayer, but it's a good one when you just call out and say, God, do something. When you pray that prayer, understand that you've asked for something dangerous because he will. When you say somebody, well, me, maybe in the middle of worship like we were at today, you stop and you just say, we kind of just said this in worship. God, do what you want in my life. You ever prayed that? Do what you want in my life? Well, uh, yeah, that's a, it's not a bad thing to pray. Hang on. You, you bit the pepper. And he will begin to do things. He will be like yeast that gets involved in the loaf. Let me just ask you this. Do you notice him forging any changes in you? Do you notice him doing anything to kind of expose things that you don't know if you want? Do you feel him nudging you and moving you? Do you feel something going on in your life that maybe the reason you're here today is because you can't even explain it, but theres I've said something to God, and here he is, and he's doing something. Know this, what he's doing is good. What he's doing is right. What he's doing is pure. It's it's moving you toward what he designed you to be, but it's going to be catalytic. It's going to have an effect. It's going to change things that you may not want him to do. Here's the second property of what yeast does, say, and the mustard seed too. It's not just catalytic. It's also pervasive. And what that means is it'll eventually spread throughout its, th- the entirety of its host affect everything that it comes in contact to, with. You see what it says about the yeast? It says a woman takes it, mixes it into a large amount of flour until it works all through the dough. The dough represents the heart of the person, the life of the person. He's just, the more she needs it in there, the more it's going to pervade into that life. There's an innate property of this thing when it comes in contact. You can't quarantine it. You can't contain it it spreads it metastasizes in in the host that it has it's similar to those the things we mentioned earlier about the this, the little foxes they go all through the field you go through you know you i mean you you eat you go out to eat after this and they bring you your soup and you got a roach in your soup you're not eating any of that soup are you it has an effect that permeates through the whole thing when when the uh, the battles were going on in our country about whether smoking was allowed in public places like restaurants and, and things like that, that, the non-smoking lobby found a, made a poster that they said in retrospect was the most effective poster that they had to try to communicate about secondhand smoke. And that poster is this. you might remember that they might have said this. It asked this question: "You think second smoke knows how to stay in the smoking section? you remember that phrase? That poster, that phrase became So effective because people found themselves going, yeah, that's right. Because it just, it wafts through. Forgive the analogy of saying Jesus is like that, but he is. He is, his kingship, his involvement is pervasive. He's never going to be content to just stay in one place until he penetrates and brings the full reign throughout it all. He is the true king. He wants the full, full reign, and he's very, very good at enacting it. See, the Bible says, I think Dan might have even prayed this or mentioned it, the, the, in Philippians where it says, Jesus Christ is the rightful king. This is his world. He is a creator of it. He is a ruler over it. He has a name. There is no other name. It's him. And the day is going to come when every knee is going to bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is true. It's going to happen. That's absolutely assured. In the meantime, you got to know this, that in the territory he's trying to take, when he comes and he gets close to you, when he gets involved in your life, he's never going to stop messing with you. He's just going to keep moving. You give him an inch, He's going to have this effect. He's going to have the effect of this. You ever see if you give a mouse a cookie? This came out in the year I got married and it became a staple in our household. This is what happens if you give a mouse. If you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to ask for a glass of milk. When you give him the milk, he'll probably ask you for a straw. When he's finished, he'll ask you for a napkin. And then he'll want to look in the mirror and make sure he doesn't have a milk mustache. Well, of course. When he looks in the mirror, he might notice his hair needs a trim, so he'll probably ask you for a pair of nail scissors. When he's finished giving himself a trim, he'll want a broom to sweep it up. He'll start sweeping. He might get carried away and sweep every room in the house. He may even end up washing the floors as well. When he's done, he'll probably want to take a nap. You'll have to fix up a little box for him with a blanket and a pillow. He'll crawl in, make himself comfortable, fluff the pillow a few times. He'll probably ask you to read him a story. So you'll read him to, to him from one of your books, and he'll ask to see the pictures. When he looks at the pictures, he'll get so excited he'll want to draw one of his own. He'll ask for paper and crayons. He'll draw a picture. When the picture's finished, he'll want to sign his name with a pen. Then he'll want to hang his picture on your refrigerator, which means he'll need scotch tape. He'll hang up his drawing, stand back to look at it, and looking at the refrigerator will remind him that he's thirsty. So he'll ask for a glass of milk. And chances are, if he asks you for a glass of milk, he's going to want a cookie to go with it. That's the whole book. The King when he comes into a life he 's like yeast it 's not going to stop in one quarter of the life it 's not going to stop in one area of what you want him to do he 's got this pervasive effect on him he will never stop that he's he 's going to keep moving to, to increase your awareness of him in your day to day life're going he wants you to notice how he 's walking with you that he's involved he 's got an opinion and a design for everything you 're involved in he's going to wa- he 's going to want to develop your deference to him where, you, where your will is submitted to him he's going to want to he's going to move in such a way that you're going to have some of, some of us know exactly what this is you are going to have this sense of unsettledness in you when not everything is submitted to him something going to nag at you he's going to have that sense of une- unease you're going to get when you're violating something that you know he designed you to do differently your sense of emptiness or discontent when you're leaving out of certain paths and descriptions. Philippians 1 says, this is what I'm certain of, Paul the Apostle writes. I'm certain of this, that God, who began the good work within you, he will continue his work. And that the, the, the grammar of the Greek there is it's, he's going to go on and on and on. It's a present, it's going to just parts of it's going to keep going it's going to continue and continue and continue until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns you come in contact with the right king and his effect is going to be pervasive like yeast is pervasive in dough and so can I just say this if lately you've been feeling his breath on the back of your neck feels like he's bearing down on you The reason is because he loves you too much to not stop moving, to make you more into what's the best life he has made you for. Can I just ask you? Is he nudging you? There's something you don't even want to think about right now, but you know he's been getting your attention about. He's, He's been nudging that about that. That's what the yeast does. That's what the kingdom of God does. That's what the king does. Here's one more thing that is true about how he works when he is invited into an environment because he's very catalytic and he's absolutely per- pervasive. But here's something else that's true about his kingdom. And this one throws me. It's imperceptible. Both of the things that he, Jesus mentions in both these stories, mustard seed that grows and the yeast that infects the bread and causes it to rise, are things that when they have their effect, you really don't see them happening in the moment. You don't notice the growth happening. You can go out one day and the next day you go, ah, it looks pretty much the same to me. You can go moment to moment look at it and go, it looks pretty much the same to me. And there's there's a property about God's kingdom, and that is that it's He's slow in His movement and measurable progress. God's typical pace for getting stuff done, for enacting change and progress, it generally goes unnoticed in the moment. See, God has this way about Him. He is not in a hurry. And man, can I tell you how much that frustrates me. He's generally not flashy in what he does. You know, in all the history of mankind, you can, you can count the major miracles, the big wow stuff, and it really comes down to pretty much a couple dozen things. In the whole history of the human race, there's only been a couple dozen times where God has stepped in and go, okay, now watch this. This one's going to wow you. But can I tell you that I see that and I want him to do it now? I want to do that for me. I want him to part C's for me today. I want him to come in and change things radically. I want him to show up with bells and whistles. I want him to, I mean, I got, I, I would say, man, all my lost friends, boy, they would see if you could. I've ta- I've I've had this argument with him. I never win this argument. If you could just show up in a visible way, if you could do something, this profound thing, these people, let me explain to you, God, I'm the lawyer. Like let me show you. I, Articles for the defense here. That if you do this, look what, don't you, doesn't this make sense to you? Apparently not. But God's way has always been his typical way. The change he brings looks unnoticed in the, in the moment to the degree that it feels like nothing is happening. And we crave, we love it, we even demand it of him. We want the impressive. We want the fast acting. We want the noticeable. We want growth and results. Jesus got followed around by people all the time. If you just see his, I mean, it, it's in the midst of these stories that this is happening. They're gathering around. They go, okay, do another one. Do that thing. Do that trick you did. Do that, do that cool thing you did the other day. Do another one. And finally he goes, you know what? No more of those. Next miracle you're going to see is when the son of God rises from the dead. That's it. Because that's not the basis for how he wants people to follow him. That's not how he works. And yet we, we if you want to sell a book, you, you write a book about how you can say certain things and do certain things in a certain order and God will do stuff for you. That's how you sell books. That's how you get people to show up at conferences. You give them experiences. And you know what people do? If we ask him to do that, if he doesn't do it, we move on until we find some other trick, some other prayer to pray. And God's way has always been predominantly, almost universally, it's been that you have a, main, what he asks us to do is have a maintained path. You just stay in the game. You stay faithful. You exercise faith. You, and his movement happens incrementally. It happens unnoticed. It is maddeningly slow. And that's why in the Psalms, people like David cry out to him and they go, How long, O Lord? How long? How long do I do I have to taste my own tears? How long until you do something? Have you forgotten us? That's what he says all the time. Some of us have said that over and over again. Some of us have had our faith really challenged or eroded or you, perhaps you left it alone for a long time because I asked him for that stuff. I was sincere. He should have done it and I don't even know that he's there because of him not doing what I wanted him to do. But God's way has always been like this. See, you can do the fast weight loss program. Chances are you're gonna gain that weight back. You can do the fast exercise thing, and you can feel strong, and chances are that's not going to be sustained. And now what they say is, you know what? If all you do is just take a walk for 20 minutes a day and do that for the rest of your life, you'll be, probably be, die in better shape than anybody else. Every part of life tends to be that way. We want to get rich quick. We want the investments to go. We want to win the lottery. And then God, his word even says, no, compounding interest, regular investments, it ain't sexy it doesn't doesn't impress anybody the difference is when god works that way when he works like yeast works in a loaf when the results are seen he gets the glory no one's system gets the glory. No one's actions seem to prove it. It's he gets the glory. He's the one who brought it to be. And when it happens, the roots of the change go deep into the heart of a person. It's not just our circumstances that change. It's our character that changes. We get formed into his image that way. Our lifestyle is altered, not just our circumstances. So the, the, the prevailing statement of all of Scripture is, hey, everybody, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be patient and wait on the Lord. And I hate waiting. But that's what he keeps calling me to do. But the psalmist says, look, I'm confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's not just in the sweet by and by. It's not just that when I get to heaven, everything's going to be better. I will see effects in my life. I will have times when I look back and say, wow, you know what? That was a good thing that happened. Good came out of that. And so he says, that I, I'm confident I, I will see that. So wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This, uh, a similar analogy to the one about the mustard seed is in James where it says, look, look at the farmer. Watch what the farmer does. He waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. So you too, be patient, stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. His movement is imperceptible. The point is this, if you, let, please hear this, if you are staying faithful in the middle of this, you're, you're faithfully enacting his kingdom's ways and his will in your life, you're consistently submitting and you're investing, hear this, something is happening. I've said this before and I won't go into the detail today, but in the darkest time of my life, All these statements get made about how God shows up. When you're at the end of the rope, he'll catch you. You know, two footprints in the sand, and then there's one. Where were you? I was carrying you. You wait till the darkest moment in your life, and that's when God is going to show up, and he's going to assure you. And I will tell you that is patently not true in my history. In the darkest times of my life, those are the times I felt absolutely abandoned by God. I felt abandoned. I, I have personally had moments, many of them, where it threatens my very belief structure to say, I, what is he good? How can he be good? How, where is he? What's he doing right now? And I will tell you this, it, I don't understand this, it defies logic to me, and I'm a very logical person. A plus B equals C, I get that, but how this works, I don't know how, how this happens. That I, look, I can look back at those darkest times in my life right now, and there's something that's absolutely true. I look at it and I say, it is undeniable. He was doing something so significant. I'm not just ma- spin-doctoring this. He was forming something in me that I would have absolutely sworn was not happening at the time. It's imperceptible in the moment what he's doing. But if you've invited the king to be your king. And if you've submitted your kingdom to his and he calls you to a faithful, sustained way that even is painful and even feels lonely, know this. In the midst of that right now, he is doing something. He's having an effect on you. He's getting the glory. And can I say this? For some of you right now, this is so fun to watch. There's some of us in the room right now Don't look now, but you are radically different than you were five years ago. Your heart, your life, your circumstances, your faith level. If you look back and see what you wrote five years ago in a journal, or you could see a videotape of what was going on in your life five years ago, and all through that time you haven't noticed anything happening, and you look, and here's what tends to happen with followers of Jesus Christ. They look back and they go, when did that happen? That addiction that had a certain level of grip on you then does it have near the grip on you now. That fear that was so debilitating to you, you hardly notice, but you react differently to it now. It doesn't affect you, affect you the same. That raw wound that was so painful and it felt like it was never, ever going to heal. And you look back and go, that doesn't keep me awake like it used to. That inconsistency in your character that you wondered if it would ever get better, and suddenly you say, oh, you know what? I do better at that than I used to. When did that change? When did that habit change? When did my joy level increase? That's the effect of the yeast, the effect of the king. It's very slow, very imperceptible. But here's the the statement. Fast growth is suspect growth, whether it's financial or physical or relational, or church size. Fast growth is suspect growth. Slow growth is substantive growth. That's what the king wants to enact in your life and in mine. For some of you, you look back and it's amazing. For, and, but for other of us, others of us in the room right now, that day is coming. That day, it, 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 it's in the future, but it is coming. We stay with the king. We walk with him, and it will have an effect that will absolutely stun you. Let it rise. Let it grow. It'll have an effect. had a great uh, visual for you today. I don't, I don't think, this is, it's our bread, right? See it? Here's, here's one that started out earlier today. Kind of, kind of limp. That became that this morning. Almost enough for two of Uncle Frank's favorite pizzas. But I will bet you didn't notice anything happening while we've been sitting here, have you? That's how Jesus works. He's active. He's moving. It's just a matter of our hearts saying to him, have your way, I will follow, I'll be faithful, and watch what he does over time. Pray with me.